Welcome to this broadcast of Truth For Today, sponsored by Sun City West Christian Church in Sun City West, Arizona. Uh, I am your moderator, slant teacher, slant facilitator, uh, Kai Repsholt. Uh, this, this broadcast is only about 30 minutes long. Uh, there is a second half to this, uh, to this lesson that's in person only. If you're ever in the Valley of the Sun near Phoenix, Arizona, either living here or visiting on a Sunday, you're welcome to join us for the live portion of questions and answers and discussion. Uh, we meet at 9.30 in the morning on Sundays, and we welcome you. Before we start today, let's have a word of prayer. Uh, thank you, Lord, for leaving a record of your activity uh, in the earth uh, that reveals yourself to us and that we can have confidence in it because you providentially protected it and made it available to us in our own language. Uh, let it affect how we live and how we relate to you. Amen. So this is the 32nd lesson in the book of Acts, which uh, I subtitle as the spreading of the gospel because it talks about the initial spreading of the gospel in the Roman world. Uh, and uh, we are in chapter 24, starting with verse 24, the book of Acts today. But some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewish, Jewess, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ. But as he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became frightened and said, Go away for the present, and when I find time, I will summon you. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given to him by Paul. Therefore, he also used to send for him quite often and converse with him. But after two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And wishing to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul imprisoned. Now, if you weren't with us last broadcast, uh, there was a big hubbub in Jerusalem, some Jews from Asia who hated Paul because uh, he came to their cities and proclaimed Jesus as Messiah and welcomed Gentiles. And they came while he was in Rome, minding his own business, after delivering a significant amount of money to relieve the poor Christian Jews that were living in Jerusalem and Judea. And uh, it almost became a riot. And as a result, the commander of the Roman garrison came down to break up the riot ended up rescuing Paul, and uh, there was a plot uh, to try to kill Paul, uh, and the commander of the garrison in Jerusalem said, it's not safe here, I need to take him down to Caesarea, so he delivers him to the governor in Caesarea, puts Paul into house arrest in the palace of Herod Agrippa, uh, so Paul is uh, in comfortable surroundings, he's not in a, in a quote, prison, unquote, um, and that's where Paul has been. Now, there was a big to-do. The Jews came down and accused Paul of many things. 
and um, with no proof. And Festus wanting to do the Jews a favor. Now, there's some historical background here. Uh, not Festus, but Felix. Felix, who was governor at the time, was not a particularly good governor, which we'll see some indications of that. Um, but uh, but he uh, did not do well in administering the province, and there were uprisings and trouble between Jews and some of the other um, non-Jewish subjects living in the area. So he was he had a kind of a bad reputation with the emperor. And he got relieved by Festus later on uh, because he was recalled to Rome in order to answer for his inability to govern the province. So he was trying to do the Jews a favor so that their testimony to the emperor about him would be less damaging. So he wanted to do the Jews a favor and he was... He asked Paul if he would go back up to Jerusalem to answer these charges. Well, Paul knew from the fact that the Jews had plotted to kill him before he came to Caesarea that they were going to probably do the same thing. So he he told Felix that, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. The only place that I could be tried is in a Ro- that I will agree to be tried is in a Roman court. If you cannot make this decision, then I will exercise my Roman prerogative and appeal to Caesar. And so now he's held in custody until a convenient time where the governor can send him to Caesar. So, in this time period, uh, after the Jews have left, uh, Felix asks Paul to talk to him and his wife. Uh, and so Paul testifies about the Messiah to Felix. And the the subjects he's discussing in their first meeting are righteousness, uh, which is thinking, doing, and feeling consistent with the way God thinks, does, and feels. And self-control. And judgment which in this sense is condemnation against those who fail to think, do, and feel consistent with the way God does. Felix becomes frightened, and he should. If what Paul is saying is true, Felix, who has not been a good governor and has not led a righteous life, is facing condemnation, and so he should be afraid. But instead of acting like the Roman jailer in Philippi, who was also afraid. But the Roman jailer in Philippi asked Paul, what can I do to be saved? Instead of addressing the fear and asking that question, Felix sends Paul away so he doesn't have to think about that anymore for a while. And then starts having Paul come and talk to him periodically, delaying the decision to send him to Rome, hoping, as the scripture says, that Paul will come up with a bribe. See, see, Felix really <laughs> was corrupt. And obviously he's been taking bribes from others. 
and he wants a, a bribe for Paul so that he can release Paul. But Paul is not going to give him a bribe. And so Paul remains in protective custody, living in the palace of Herod Agrippa in Caesarea, Caesarea along the coast of Judea for two years. Now, during those two years, people could come and visit him. He just couldn't leave the house. So he was giving testimony. He was teaching Christians who came to visit him. He was conducting his ministry. And he was the guest of the state of Rome, provided with room and board while he conducted his work of ministry. So... There were blessings associated with this uh, house arrest. But um, at the end of two years, Festus comes to relieve Felix, who has been recalled to Rome to answer for his poor execution of his responsibilities as governor. So verse 25, or chapter 25. Festus then, having arrived in the province, three days later went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea, and the chief priests and the leading men of the Jews brought charges against Paul, and they were urging him, requesting a concession against Paul, they might have him brought to Jerusalem, at the same time setting an ambush to kill him on the way. Festus then answered that Paul was being kept in custody at Caesarea and that he himself was about to leave shortly from Jerusalem. Therefore, he said, let the influential men among you go there with me, and if there is anything wrong about the man, let him pro- let them prosecute him. After he had spent not more than eight or ten days in Jerusalem among them, he went down to Caesarea, and on the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. After Paul arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him, which they could not prove. While Paul said in his own defense, I have committed no offense either against the laws of the Jews or against the temple or against Caesar. But Festus, wishing to the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me on these charges. But Paul said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal, there where I ought to be tried. I have done no wrong to the Jews, as you very well know. If I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything worthy of death, I do not refuse to die. But if none of those things is true of which these men accuse me, no one can hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then when Festus had conferred with his counsel, he answered, you appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you shall go. So I made a mistake earlier. I said that Felix, uh, that Paul had appealed to Caesar before Felix. It's clear here that it's he's appealing to, to Caesar before Festus. Okay, so we see here that the new governor, within a very short time, travels to Jerusalem, which is the, the head of the Jewish portion of the government. And it's important for him to meet with them and understand their points of view and to get acquainted with, for many Roman governors, the trouble spot 
which was Jerusalem. And immediately on his arrival, the religious leaders importune him to bring Paul to Jerusalem because they want to kill him. But Festus acts wisely, requiring them to come to him in Caesarea. Now when they get there, when Paul is brought out, and, and when the phrase is used that Festus took his seat on the tribunal, means he's going to, this is an official court proceeding and he's going to act as judge. Uh, they bring serious charges that are false, and of course since they're false, they have no proof. Neither do they present any evidence, fake or otherwise, and Paul points all of this out in his defense. Now, Festus here, like Felix, wants to do the Jews a favor and send Paul to Jerusalem to stand trial before him in Jerusalem. Uh, Paul understands that in Jerusalem no justice and death await him. So he appeals to Caesar as is his right as a Roman citizen. And Festus has no legal choice but to send him. Okay, starting with verse 13. Now, when several days had elapsed, King Agrippa and Bernice, his wife, arrived at Caesarea and paid their respects to Festus. While they were spending many days there, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, there's a man who was left as a prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews brought charges against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. I answered them that it is not the custom of the Romans to hand over any man before the accused meets his accusers face to face and has an opportunity to make his defense against the charges. So after they had assembled here, I did not delay, and on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought before me. When the accusers stood up, they began bringing charges against him, not of such crimes as I was expecting, but they simply had some points of disagreement with him about their own religion and about a dead man, Jesus, whom Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss how to investigate such matters, I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and there stand trial on these matters. But when Paul appealed to be held in custody for the emperor's decision, I ordered him to be kept in custody until I send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I also would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you shall hear him. So Herod Agrippa arrives with his wife. Now, he's got a palace here in Caesarea. That's where Paul is being held. And he's he has uh, several places in his area of responsibility that he, he goes and stays for a while in order to adjudicate legal matters for the locals. And so when the new governor arrives, he shows up because he needs to interface with the new governor. Uh, and that's most likely why he showed up. Now, Festus relates Paul's case, conveniently leaving out his desire to do, the, do a favor to the Jews that would have jeopardized Paul. Festus needs to write an explanatory letter to Caesar 
for why he's sending this person to Caesar for judgments and why this man appealed to him. And he has no good reason for this. And so it will be embarrassing to him politically to be sending a man who did not commit any any crimes requiring uh, death or imprisonment uh, why he's sending him to Caesar, why he's not deciding that for himself. So he's kind of between a rock and a hard place. And so he's asking for Agrippa's help in drafting this letter. So, on the next day, verse 23, when Agrippa came together with Bernice in great pomp and entered the auditorium accompanied by the commanders and the prominent men of the city at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. Festus said, King Agrippa and all you gentlemen here present with us, you see this man with about whom all the people of the Jews appealed to me, both at Jerusalem and here, loudly declaring that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he has committed nothing worthy of death, and since he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. Yet I have nothing definite about him to write to my lord. Therefore I have brought him before you all, and especially you, King Europus, so that the investigation has taken place. I may have something to write. For it seems absurd to me in sending a prisoner not to indicate also the charges against him. Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and proceeded to make his defense. In regard to all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that I am about to make my defense before you today, especially because you are an expert in all the customs and questions among the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So, then all the Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, which from the beginning was spent among my own nation and at Jerusalem, since they have known about me for a long time, if they are willing to testify that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion. And now I am standing trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, the promise to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly serve God night and day, and for this hope, O king, I have been accused by Jews. Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme and being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. While so engaged, as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness 
not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So Agrippa, I did go. I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So having attained help from God, I stand to this day testifying both to small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Messiah was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. While Paul was saying this, in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter words of sober truth. For the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence, since I am persuaded that none of these things escape his notice. For this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time you will persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would wish to God that whether in a short or long time, not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. The king stood up and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with them, and when they had gone aside, they began talking to one another, saying, This man is not doing anything worthy of death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, This man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So Paul testifies before Agrippa the king. This is Herod Agrippa, who was the brother of Herod Antipas, who had died. And we can learn a lot from the structure of his testimony as we are given opportunity to also testify to Jesus. He establishes a connection with Agrippa and the other Jews who are present through the common Jewish culture where he talks about being a Pharisee and his training in Jerusalem. He describes his action against the believers, describing his old life. Then he talks about his conversion experience. And this account to Agrippa is the most detailed of the three accounts that Paul makes of this conversion experience. There's the account that he gives to to Luke in Acts chapter 9. There's the account that he makes to the people in Jerusalem when he's being taken into the Roman garrison. And now there is this account before Agrippa. Now the fact that there are more details in this one doesn't make the others too false. It just means that at the moment he didn't include as many details. 
And then he describes his post-conversion life, which is radically different than his pre-conversion life. Then he comes to the issues at hand that brings him to the place that he is, the arrest in Jerusalem. But he talks, now he transitions and he uses the evidence of the Old Testament scriptures, which were the only scriptures that they had at the time, with which Agrippa is familiar to show that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, Festus reacts to Paul's testimony, and his reaction is to think that he's crazy. This is a common reaction by unbelievers with no knowledge of Jesus, even today. The wisdom of God is foolishness to them. But Paul does not get distracted and start addressing Festus's concerns and returns to his closing argument with Agrippa. Agrippa gives Festus his opinion. Paul's actions are not worthy of death or imprisonment. He could be released, except that he appealed to Caesar. And Festus still has a problem. He has to write to Caesar. There are no charges warranting death or imprisonment. And yet, because Paul appealed to Caesar, he has to send him and he doesn't know how he's going to get around the embarrassment administratively of sending a prisoner to Caesar who hasn't done anything worthy, hasn't broken any laws, the Roman laws, which means he doesn't actually need to be talking to Caesar. That's going to take some explaining. And Festus is not looking forward to writing that letter. So, the best thing to remember here is this outline of a testimony that is given to us in Paul's testimony before Agrippa. And uh, as we, we should all have a testimony. Paul had one ready. Every Christian should have a testimony. It is good to prepare it beforehand. Write it out. We should be able to do it in about five minutes. So write it out, practice it, follow the outline that, that's given to us in the scriptures. It's a good one. And time it. And if it's longer than five minutes, edit it. Make it shorter, concise. So that, and then, and then learn it. So that you can share it anytime that someone asks you. And that's the end of our lesson for today. Have a, have a, have a blessed week.